What's up, brother? That was that was a bad intro. It just smells. <laughs> I can just hit all the buttons real quick. Hey guys, welcome to Mania <laughs> Moments with Robbie and Phoenix, the podcast where I, Robbie DeShazer, watch uh, WrestleMania with my very good friend Phoenix Zarola. Uh, of course, that's me. Yeah, of course, coming to us via the internet uh, due to COVID nineteen concerns. But one day, one day we'll get to watch WrestleMania nine together because that's yeah. better than watching it apart. <laughs> yeah. And being sad and alone. <laughs> Somebody's got to boo those Caesars and Caesars palace entrances and everything with you. Yeah. And yeah, we have to have a, a good, a good hate watch for that one. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. gotta be, you don't drink, but like that, you know, we might just have to do it at my place so I can drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. Uh, um. What? Yeah. What? Welcome. This is the first review episode. This is. Uh, so if you listened to our last episode, uh, you got a healthy dose of us just chattering about the general rules and make em ups of wrestling. Uh, but today is the. This is the first official episode of our show. Is that, is that the way to yeah. put it? Was the last one like episode yeah, zero sure. kind of? Yeah. This would be like the main, like episode one. And the other one is like a, a episode zero or like a, a uh, it's like a forward. Like if a you had a book. Yeah. It's like a preface yeah. or a forward. If you had a book, uh, but these, these are not books. These are podcasts. If we wanted to write books, we'd be writing books. Yeah. And as I'm sure the listener knows, because it's probably in the title of this, we did, we started it off with WrestleMania 30. Yeah. So we, we made it pretty clear in the last episode. I I think we made it pretty clear that we're not doing these in any particular order. Uh, we're doing these as we want to, as they naturally, you know, maybe some match that's going on at, you know, SummerSlam or, you know, some big planned event for WWE makes me think, makes one of us think of, oh, that's, that's so, that pairs really well with this match at this WrestleMania. We're, we're going to, we're going at them in any order we want is really the, that's what I'm trying to communicate. Uh, yeah, we're going to, you know, just bounce around through time, you know, check out the classics when we want, check out the more modern era when we want, just kind of get like a, all around um, experience of WrestleMania, just going back and forth and not necessarily seeing like a, um, a progression over time, but more just like, you know, getting like this good old mix of it all together um, throughout this uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, one thing I don't think I, we necessarily mentioned it on the last episode, but if you're going to watch these uh, or listen to these, I, we're not doing these in a visual format at the moment. But if you're going to uh, consume this content, 
first of all, there's just a, a series-wide spoiler alert, I guess. If you don't want to know what happens because you're trying to watch WrestleMania with a with you know a clean slate, uh, don't listen to this. We're going to talk about the finishes to all of these matches and talk about the crazy stuff that happens. But the other thing is, uh, if this is your first journey into wrestling, uh, you should, you know, and you want to follow along with us, you should probably get the WWE Network. Uh, and I don't want to plug that too much, but it's essentially WWE streaming service, which gives you an incredible backlog of stuff, uh, including every WrestleMania that has aired up to this point. So uh, it's a it's a handy yeah. tool, uh, you know. Yeah. Or steal it. Steal it. That's also, uh, so, so you know that we're not plugging it, you know, just watch watch these WrestleManias any way you want. Yeah, they and, have, an, they, they have uh, an incredible free month of <laughs> that you can get just when by giving them an email. Give them a fake email. I don't steal, yeah, you know. Or rob Vince McBl- McMahon blind in an alley, like, you know. Just, at Hotmail. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's the actual handle of the of the email address. The email. Uh, I I really I did look into it on like how many concurrent streams you can have on an account because I did think about just like low key letting anyone who asked uh, use the show email as like <laughs> an account that we could all use. Uh, but you can only have two streams going at a time, and I don't want a bunch of strangers on the internet. Uh, having to fight each other to watch uh, wrestling. The fighting should be on the screen, yeah. not in our hearts is what I'm saying. But yeah, uh, don't yeah. try this at home. As don't plenty think by don't try this at home. We mean, don't podcast. It's, it's a disease. Yeah. yeah don't, don't get into it. It's, We're already in too deep. Oh, if, if only I could get myself out of this. Uh, not really. I really enjoy talking about wrestling and beer and f- movies with my friends. So yeah, uh, same. So uh, but yeah, let's let's jump into to WrestleMania. Let's jump into yeah. the yeah um, you're here to talk about. Uh, do you have yeah, general thoughts um, on it? Uh, yeah, I think this is a, a really good WrestleMania. Um, I think it's a great one to start off with for a show and also a great one to start off with if you're a new fan, because I think for the most part, it's very entertaining. Um, it's got like a, um, interesting story through line that I, um, that we'll get into that I think is really fun and like really exciting. And, uh, and then it's also just like a nice, um, uh, like sort of looking back at past wrestling and past WrestleManias and stuff. There's a lot of, um, a lot of nostalgia that's built into the show, um, that if you're an old time wrestling fan that you appreciate because you're seeing, you're seeing, and then if you're a new fan, you're getting a lot of like exposure to some of like the, uh, prominent figures in wrestling. So I, um, and it's just like, and it's just really entertaining. There's a lot of good matches in it and a lot of like fun moments. So I think it's, I think it's a good, good show. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is, if anything, it is a massive plug for, uh, at the time, the brand new WWE network. Cause just a lot, a lot of cameos from people that haven't been on, who hadn't been on WWE, uh, universe screens 
in quite some time. You get, you know, appearances from the ultimate warrior from Hulk Hogan, the rock stone cold, Ricky, the, uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat, all these people. And not only, you know, does this make you, Oh, I want to go back and watch, you know, some classic matches. Maybe I want to go watch, uh, Ricky steamboat and the macho man, Randy Savage and their iconic, uh, WrestleMania match. Well, Boy, howdy, there's a service that just launched a month ago, and it's perfect for you, is uh, at least what it seems like the answer of this pay-per-view is to everyone who sees someone they used to like and thinks, I want to watch more of them, is, hey, our entire, the majority of our back catalog is available now, and it costs the same as Netflix, (laughs) is, yeah, you know. The tagline. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but that's true. It is kind of very, uh, very much both a nostalgia and like a celebration for like the 30th anniversary. And then at the same time, like, hey, we have this new way to consume uh, our wrestling matches and our shows. So you should go ahead and look at that because it's cool. And here's why. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I mean, they don't hit you over the head with it. Uh, they, they probably no, no, no. mention it less than we've already mentioned it in this one episode, but. <laughs> It is, you know, I think it is interesting that they made such a point of hammering the nostalgia in at this WrestleMania. I mean, in time, about a month after they had announced and uh, dropped the network. So just a fun thing to keep in mind. Uh, I I like this mania. I think it's got, I mean, it sums up, it has kind of the main through line of 2013 into 2014's uh, story of the authority and the shield and Daniel Bryan and everyone's kind of tied up into it in one way or another. I think every match, most of the matches on the card have some tie to that ongoing story. Uh, Other rather other than the Andre battle Royal, uh, Every everyone has some kind of stem to that story is what it, at least from what I'm looking at. If I'm I might be I'm missing so Andre the Giant Battle Royal doesn't have a tie to the authority and Daniel Bryan and the Divas Invitational doesn't. But those are the only two that I can think of that don't have some connection to what's going on. Because Yeah, it's a lot of like it is a lot of like um, new wrestling versus old wrestling, mm-hmm. even in like a broader sense. Like it's yeah. uh, a lot of people who um, that are like new wrestlers that are trying to prove themselves um, is like in the story. Um, and a lot of old wrestlers trying to um, prove that they're still dominant. is like, seems like the pretty common theme throughout um, all these matches, except for, yeah, the two battle Royal matches. Yeah, because let's. I'm trying to think. So the reason both titles are on the line is because John Cena lost them in December, and Randy Orton is carrying both of them, kind of at the setup of Triple H. Uh, and then Brock is facing the Undertaker because he's pissed that he's not included in the main event uh, title match. So to appease him, the Authority gives him a contract against anyone he wants. Right? Those are like the two main. Yeah. Those are the connections, I guess, for the ones that seem a little less 
connected. But it, it's it's kind of cool to have, you know, not every WrestleMania has such a one side versus another kind of feel to it, uh, which can kind of be the thing that at times can make WrestleManias feel really disjointed or feel like you only have to pay attention to some of it, but everything. In yeah. And then even, even the small, like um, the shield versus new age outlaws match can even kind of be seen as like, um, Oh yeah. That's corporate Kane. Uh, corporate Kane is uh, yeah. Stephanie's stooge, you know, like that's, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's but so just, much. Going yeah, on. exactly. It's like, you could see the authority connection, tied there even if it's not necessarily daniel bryan and the title match it's still like the authority inclusion and then like this new shields group um that uh kind of plays into in general like the whole authority idea yeah uh so yeah so i i think this is a good wrestlemania i'm really glad we're starting off with this one um so before most wrestlemanias there is a Kick, actually, before most pay-per-views at this point, uh, there's a kickoff show, uh, which is just kind of like any pre-show for any big sports event. I mean, think of the the TNT pre-show for basketball or any of the playoff MLB ones. They kind of stage it like that. They've got their talking heads that are a combination of analysts and former wrestlers and current wrestlers who may be are benched due to injury and they're all kind of weighing in on what's going on. And then the nice thing for fans of the, uh, of not paying for things is you do get a free match. Uh, so the kickoff show, I have a couple of notes. It starts off with uh, triple H and Stephanie McMahon, uh, revealing the set of WrestleMania 30 for the first time which is kind of cool to see a full empty WrestleMania set. Cause I, you know, I feel like you either see it towards the beginning of a pre-show with people kind of trickling in, or you see it packed in the main event. So it was cool to see, uh, the Superdome just empty, but with all the lights for the WrestleMania set on, uh, that was cool. Um, other things you got, I mean, you get all your previews for your main matches, they had some tributes to Hulk Hogan, who's the host of WrestleMania this year, Andre the Giant, who has his Memorial Battle Royal, his first one of those happening, and then the Ultimate Warrior, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and uh, only a few days later would pass away uh, unexpectedly. Um, but then yeah. the main meat of the uh, kickoff show was a fatal four-way elimination match for the WWE Tag Team Champions between the Real Americans, uh, a team of Cesaro and Jack Swagger with their manager Zeb Coulter, uh, Rybaxel, which is Ryback and Curtis Axel, and Los Matadores, uh, who are more commonly known as Primo and Epico Cologne, uh, with their fantastic manager El Torito, the Little Bull. Uh, fantastic. Can We can talk... Are you you're familiar with El Torito, Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fun. Oh, and the Usos, uh, still doing their uh, Samoan gimmick. It was probably about a year removed from them kind of just becoming people. I don't want to like they they were clearly people <laughs> before, but like before their gimmick changed to just two cool dudes 
or whatever it is that they've been doing ever since then. But I, yeah, they came they out and kind like, of did their haka before the uh, come actually coming down the ramp, and I was like, oh, I forgot they used to do. Like they they used to really lean heavily into their Samoan ancestry and their uh, their father's Makishi, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, yeah so they really leaned heavily into that, and of course they debuted with. Uh, didn't they debut with Tamina Snuka as their manager before she went on? I to believe so. Be AJ Lee. Isn't Rikishi related to The Rock too? Yes. Okay. So the. There, there's this whole big Samoan wrestling family, uh, which I cannot think of the name right now, and I should have done my research, but I didn't think we were going to quite jump into this. So there's uh, current wrestlers that are in this family or related to this family. Uh, you've got, most notably, the Usos, Tamina Snuka, uh, and Roman Reigns are like the four full-time wrestlers who are still that are from this family, but, uh, the rock. Okay. So I'm, I just, yeah, I quickly Googled that Rikishi and the rock are second cousins, but they're not like blood, second, yes. uh, blood related. Cousins. Yeah. So, so they have, but yeah, second, cousin. but it is weird. It's the rocks. Mother is adopted by the, by Rikishi's like blood relatives. So it's not even like he married, yeah. he's married in or anything. Like he's just, his mother is adopted by this family and he's still, so he's half Samoan. And then by chance is, uh, his father not from the family is just another wrestler, uh, Rocky Johnson. Uh, so yeah, what are Rock's they on? got a whole bunch of rich wrestling blood in his, uh, veins. Uh, yeah. The new and owner of fans. the XFL, of course, <laughs> which, yeah, Recording this, we're one day out from the news. Bought, like a few days ago. <laughs> yeah. From when we're recording this. Yep. Um, so, just fun notes I wrote about here. Uh, all but three of the people involved in this match are no longer involved with the WWE. Uh, so, currently, only Cesaro and the Usos, uh, who are all on SmackDown at the moment. So, <laughs> bye to everyone else after this. Uh, at various points. Yeah. Uh, of course, the Colognes uh, left the company in April as a part of what is now known as Black Wednesday when WWE uh, fired a whole bunch of people due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Ryback and Curtis Axel had both left at other times, and uh, Jack Swagger of The Real Americans is a is now on AEW performing under the name uh, Jake Hager. And also doing uh, some MMA and stuff. So he's he's an interesting dude. He's an interesting dude. Uh, doing some fun stuff over there on Wednesday nights on TNT. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to talk about in this. It's a fatal four-way elimination. So uh, the order everyone's eliminated just for uh, prosperity or just keeping uh, letting people know what happened. Los Matadores were eliminated. Rybaxel uh, was taken out next. And then the Usos hit a double splash onto Cesaro for the final pin to retain their tag team championship. Uh, after that, you had a few more segments, but then the pre-show was over and you get into the main card of WrestleMania 30. 
And so now this is the stuff that we both watched. So now we're all we're both yeah. going to have this, opinions on everything. Uh, this is a kickoff show, so now I will be able to contribute more about the show itself. Yep. I, like most people, I, I watch the kickoff show just to, like, I don't want anyone to ever say that we didn't have uh, every single match that the WWE put on that weekend uh, covered. So get ready for, sure. for, for a few years from now when I have to uh, tell you what happened at uh, the NXT TakeOver that happens the same weekend. I just like, yeah. <laughs> full TakeOver cover coverage. Uh, okay, then we got the kickoff show, and then you can have opinions, Phoenix. <laughs> no. no, of course we'll get for sure. I'm probably just going to cover kickoff shows if I have the time to get to them. But, uh, you know, if you're here for the results, if you're here for, to hear the results for the first time, don't say I didn't have them for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah, so we start off and we are jumping right into WrestleMania 30. And of course, uh, who, would we? Who would it? Why it wouldn't be WrestleMania without a kickoff from your host, brother? So, uh, of course, the one and only brother. with the may you know with his. Did he have his red and yellow feather boa and everything, or did he just come out, uh, you know, just throwing brother. left and right? You know. Uh, no, yeah, he had he had the the red and yellow, the red um, and yellow boa. His uh, yeah, his signature look. His slightly updated version of his uh, walkout theme, which it will get stuck in your head all day if you ever listen to it on its own. Uh, I am a real American. Yeah. Yeah. Hulk Hogan's there. Hulk Hogan's the host of WrestleMania this year. For some reason, I don't. The host. Okay, maybe yeah. Phoenix. Maybe you can clear some of this up. Uh, what is the purpose of a WrestleMania host? And <laughs> uh, how are the they- purpose of a WrestleMania host is essentially what you think it is, and how Hulk handled it, which is to make like a few appearances here and there, but really like do nothing else. Yeah, it's usually very much just to either open the show. Or have some kind of like, like maybe a small story that they do in like small videos throughout the show, but it's never anything more than what Hulk Hogan did in this, which was coming out just kind of saying "Welcome to WrestleMania" and then showing up here and there later on. Yeah. It just also happened to have Stone Cold and The Rock, who eventually came out as well to join him because. Yeah. It's WrestleMania 30 and it's the 30th anniversary. So they want to make it big and wild and cool. So, yeah. So we get, uh, I was, I was just trying to figure out, I was like, have there been hosts that have done more? And the most I can think of is this year, Rob Gronkowski hosted and he left as 24 seven champion, which was, that's true. He did that. And then when the new day were the hosts, they stopped a tag title match midway through to make it to introduce the Hardy boys who are making their return. Yeah. To, yeah. Which that was, yeah, kind of, I think that's cool. <laughs> I love, yeah, that I think they'll generally have, um, yeah, that, 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 that uh, moment was really great. I think they'll generally have some like, um, some kind of like 
shock value fun moments. And I'm, I'm guessing the one for this WrestleMania is literally this part where they also, where he also has stone cold and the rock come out to excite people. Um, but that's kind of it. There never really is anything like bigger except for there may be the one who reveals some really cool information like the new day did, or they may have some like, um, spur of the moment fight like Rob Gronkowski did. Um, and I think there's even another one where they like, there's even like a start of the like start of WrestleMania. There's like a surprise opening match. I can't remember, but, um, yeah, I'm yeah, trying to think. it's very, it's very small role. Yeah. I'll, I'm usually, yeah, they get to have one big announcement or pop or something. Uh, you know, Alexa bliss at 35 brings out Hulk Hogan, I guess, which is one. And then they both yeah. get interrupted by Heyman. Who's like, we're not waiting. If we're going to, if, uh, Brock Lesnar, isn't going to be the main event. We're going to have the match right now. You know, that was, I guess what happened when Alexa bliss hosted, but that's not this WrestleMania. Yeah. So this WrestleMania <laughs> Hulk Hogan comes out and puts his hand to his ear for all the Hulkamaniacs so we can hear him, uh, you know, so we can hear all of them yell at him for uh, his racial slurs that had come out seven years earlier. Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, this I, is supposed to be here, fun. <laughs> I have here forgot Hogan hosted. Fuck him. LOL. This yeah. is one of one of like the, my first notes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wrote. I really kind of forgot that this was part of Hogan's big return to the WWE post his exile for uh, racial slurs in a sex tape. I mean, I guess he was also exiled to TNA, but does that really matter? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even the diehard Hulkamaniacs don't acknowledge the, the small TNA run that he had. Oh, it's it's such a mess. If you ever go back and like read up on what happened. Eric Bischoff is there, Dixie Carter. Like it's, it's the, everyone that like anyone ever comes and talks about like, Oh, they were so shitty and they like took the book and they made it just to help themselves. Like they, you know, anyone that's ever been involved in that, those kind of rumors was involved except for maybe Paul Heyman. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that time, uh, I feel like, uh, TNA fans want to forget, and that's why they renamed it Impact. Uh, but yes, uh, oh, I have a side note here. Uh, new WrestleMania 30 drinking game. Uh, take a drink every time you see Street Guy look happy before the streak ends. Uh, uh, then I have here, Hulk Hogan thinks the Superdome is the Silverdome. Dot, dot, dot. Iconic. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, and I have... Uh, um, oh yes. I remember now with stone cold and the rock, which is when I, when they, when they came out, I remembered like, Oh, I remember popping for these two guys. So now I do remember what happens in this, like <laughs> in this promo where they just, um, kind of talk to each other and talk about WrestleMania as a whole. Um, I also have here, I, uh, kind of, uh, right at the beginning was, I really like the way the logo and the stage looks it's like, it's like yes, the opening I the first time you get logo. Yeah. yeah, the logo looks great. It's very clean and, uh, modern, but kind of simplistic. Whereas like sometimes I can, I feel like some WrestleMania logos can get a little, um, too much and trying to like make it look like a big deal. Um, whereas like this one is very 
very cool and kind of like blends that sort of new Orleans, um, uh, look to it with its own logo. And I, and because it's in new Orleans and I, you know, I think it works well and I just really like the stage. Like the stage looks dope. Um, yeah. It's all really cool so looking, much but. better than the next year, which had the giant play button. Which, oh yeah. Uh, when they showed the, cause every WrestleMania, they announced the city for the next year's WrestleMania and the logo for it. And I got, I just, I, I get so irrationally mad when I see that giant play button and even more mad when I remember that was 2011 or 2015 and not like 2008 or something like it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it's just so like all outdated, even, even when it like started, even the year of they're like, it's in Silicon Valley. And you're like, you really, you could think of a big red play button. Uh, but this one's good. This one's good. My notes here. I have, Stone Cold greater than Hulk Hogan. Stone Cold greater than The Rock greater than Hulk Hogan is about <laughs> all. I, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, you know, I, I. Oh, go ahead. I would just say I don't really have any more notes on this, but I just think as far as like this is an opener for WrestleMania, I think it's good for the simple fact that like it's hard to for anything involving Stone Cold and The Rock to be bad. Like, that's instantly, like, a way to get any wrestling fan, like, uh, like get their attention caught and, like, you just get interested immediately because those two are just so, um, such attention grabbers. They're so entertaining. Um, and, I mean, you can throw Hulk Hogan in there, too, but I'm speaking personally that, like, for me, I think Stone Cold and The Rock in general just excite me immediately and excite so many people immediately that this opening works. Um, it's not really more than just let's talk about how cool WrestleMania is, but because Stone Cold and the rock doing it, I think it's like, it's a fun opening. Yeah, I totally agree. The only other notes I have for this segment are, uh, well, everyone got their catchphrases in, which I will quickly, uh, you know, get a, And uh, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Uh, yeah, so I said everyone got their catchphrases in. Let's get to the wrestling now. And then also I said uh, it's very interesting the immediate boos from the crowd uh, when The Rock mentions John Cena and uh, hustle loyalty and respect, and then also the immediate yes chance for any yeah. mention of Daniel Bryan is. Uh, it's it's really cool. It's a, I think it really th- sums up uh, this era in the WWE of the fans really like being in tune to what's going on and like having a say. Uh, so that was cool to see kind of that past, but to also see, uh, yeah, the present uh, really shining through there. So then we had uh, a quick video package. Uh, highlighting uh daniel bryan or brian danielson uh if you look to some of his older footage that they got to use there uh i wrote here shout out to twa uh which is Shawn michaels wrestling school in san antonio where daniel bryan was trained uh and it's kind of you see it briefly at the beginning uh so you know shout out to one of the like there's like three or four really good pro wrestling schools in texas uh and one of them is 
like I said, Shawn Michaels school TWA in uh, San Antonio. And then Booker T has a really good school in Houston. So good, good for them. You know, shout out to all the great wrestlers who came from Texas, including stone cold and the undertaker. Um, and, sure. and Shawn Michaels. Who and I think this, Oh. Uh, I was just gonna say I think this package is um super important because it really kind of sets up what like the main storyline throughout this show is going to be. And it's it's gonna be like following um what happens with uh Daniel Bryan um and the authority and that kind of main A plot story of WrestleMania and like wrestling for the past few months. Yeah. Pretty much in the run from Money in the Bank through to WrestleMania the year before, or yeah. this year. So Money in the Bank the year before through to this WrestleMania, uh, it kind of gives you the rundown of what's happening. But we should give you a rundown of what's happening with the Yes Movement and what the Yes Movement is. Uh, the Yes Movement is kind of Daniel Bryan's signature yes. chant yes. and yes. His supporters. Uh, the big things to know for this is that. Uh, at SummerSlam, I think uh, Daniel Bryan defeated. Uh, who did he defeat for the heavyweight championship? Was it? I can't. I'm. I'm, um, I'm blanking now. He did not defeat Randy Orton because did he defeat no. Cena for it? Was it? Uh, I don't think it was Cena. Um, um, let me see. Let me... Yeah, it's WrestleMania or SummerSlam 2013 would be the. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was Cena. You're was right. Cena. He beat Cena for the yeah. World Heavyweight Championship. Triple H was the ref, was the special guest ref for that. Uh, he hits his signature move, a pedigree on Daniel Bryan, and then lets Randy Orton come in and cash in his Money in the Bank uh, contract to give Daniel Bryan about a five minute reign with uh, <laughs> that title. Uh, assuming hijinks occur throughout the next six months uh, between Triple H just making these claims that a WWE champion doesn't look like Daniel Bryan. He's not small. It's a big guy like Randy Orton. Kind of plays into the... Uh, there's always been a narrative around Randy Orton that if you were to build a pro wrestler from scratch, it would look exactly like Randy Orton. Like he is kind of the perfect specimen of a pro wrestler. Uh, so it's about his look. Yeah. It's about the way he behaves, uh, which not that Daniel Bryan, as we've learned from in the years since Daniel Bryan, good guy, Randy Orton kind of doesn't give a shit at all. So uh, interesting that that was like their narrative. There was, was Randy isn't arrogant or what, you know, you're like, Randy's very arrogant, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then, I mean, what what was so captivating about this storyline was that this was this was even something that is uh, that feels true not only from like a WWE fans' perspective about how WWE may like handle Daniel Bryan, but just about how and Triple H and the Authority, but also just generally how they felt like. Vince McMahon and WWE as a whole handles their wrestlers like all of the time. Like there's even a period where I'm like in the early two thousands where, um, triple H was handed over like so many championships over a lot of other talent because 
uh, it seems that like, you know, Vince McMahon's ideal champion would be someone like triple H. And then he had this like whole, um, this whole kind of moniker of being someone who just constantly buries talent, um, back then. And, uh, that's like sort of when during like the evolution times and stuff like that. And so seeing that even kind of being influenced into this storyline so many years later, it even, it adds more to like such a captivating, um, and like real feeling kind of story because it's not just, Oh, this is something that was like, um, affected in SummerSlam, even though like that was, that's definitely like the start of the story for sure. It's also something that kind of has felt to always be true for so long that now it's being, it's being noticed by WWE itself. And so that's why so many fans got so passionate about it was because it really felt like a significant change to see them, um, not only acknowledge it, but then also start pushing for this possibility of Daniel Bryan, um, becoming a champion. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's interesting that this is also 2014. So while all this is going on story wise, triple H is also really building and molding the NXT brand into what it is now. Uh, so like, it's just so interesting to see that he, you know, is burying the next, the next big thing, uh, in story. But like at the same time in real life is like, molding a new generation of superstars and that the NXT audience like really recognizes him for that. So like it's, this is the birth of kind of the two different characters of triple H, the one that is on SmackDown and raw and, you know, shows up as the arrogant authoritative asshole. And then his appearances on NXT where everyone loves him because he's daddy triple H and he, you know, takes care of everybody in that brand. Uh, and you kind of saw that with uh, the Triple H that you see unveil the set and the kickoff show is not really the same Triple H you see take on Daniel Bryan in the first match here. So it's, yeah, you know, and it, it is funny. I have a hard time, like, you know, the reasons I love Triple H are some are because of some of the things he's done for NXT and some of the ways he's like really helped to get talent over there. Uh, and then, like, some of the reasons you got to hate Triple H is because of how he acted in the, the mid to late 2000s and just really made himself the top guy because he wanted it and not because not because he really should have been it, you know. But yeah, I've I feel like I've always had appreciation and have have always been like a fan of Triple H, but not necessarily always liked how um, how much attention he would get from like the company itself. And it only took until like recently or like until like this kind of modern era to really like fully embrace and love triple H for what he is just because at the time, I mean, he was not in, as strong as like someone who like Cena, who got so much attention and so much like um, coddling from the company, but definitely felt like he got a lot of um special treatment both being like you know the the look of a of a championship wrestler the ideal look quote unquote and then also you know being connected with stephanie mcmahon and yeah. it definitely when you see all those things it de- it definitely feels like uh there's a lot of attention that he maybe shouldn't be getting or and he's holding on to the title maybe too long that 
did always rub me the wrong way, even though I was still a fan of his. Um, and then, um, fast forward to now where I see that, you know, he's still, he's such like a proponent of lifting up new wrestlers and, um, training them and getting them ready for um, the big time. And he's no longer such a shoveler as he was, you know, always painted out to be that I can really like appreciate and admire him for. Yeah. It's so funny because another person who has kind of a backstage politic uh, past is Shawn Michaels, uh, who we've already mentioned a couple times. But both of them yeah. have stories now in the last in this last you know decade of them telling guys who are now you know top guys or in either NXT or uh, on the main roster, telling them bef- you know guys who have, you know are pretty much lifelong. WWE guys, guys who like really like pushed their ways, their way into getting over there and telling them, Hey, go, go to Japan, go to Europe, like go do that first. Cause you're not going to get to do that once, <laughs> you know, telling guys like Adam Cole, like Daniel Bryan at the time, telling them, yeah, go have a run in Japan, go do ring of honor, go do all these things and then come make us money because you're not like, and not even in a, you're not ready kind of way, just in a like, go develop yourself too and have fun in ways that like you wouldn't have expected, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, triple H and, uh, Shawn Michaels to tell people to go do that. You know, it's, it's so yeah. surreal to hear those stories about it, but uh, yeah. that's for our like triple H and Shawn Michaels retrospective podcast. Uh, let's get into the match that we have at <laughs> this point. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we are like, uh, about, about 45 50 minutes in and yeah. we are starting, we're starting the first match of wrestling. Yeah. There's a lot of the WrestleMania. <laughs> well, the official one, I mean, there's a kickoff one, yeah. but, but, but yeah, there's a lot to talk about. The, the big thing in this match is that the winner will go on to the main event in a triple threat match for the unified, uh, titles. Um, so I've gotten here. I, we can talk about the different things, but the things to note, Daniel Bryan, Triple H, uh, the finish is Daniel Bryan hits a running knee and following a couple reversals on pedigrees, uh, Bryan finally gets the win. Uh, but my notes here, uh, I said Triple H doesn't look great in this match. Uh, it starts off and it's a lot of ground game, a lot of grappling that uh, just clearly highlights what a great submission specialist Daniel Bryan is. And that's just not what... Uh, Triple H is anymore. I think you could make an argument for DX era Triple H being a much better grappler, much better uh, technical wrestler uh, than he is. But now he, he's mostly a, a brawler and a he's a really good storyteller in the ring, which is uh, what he does a good job of. Um, yeah, I actually have a lot of um, I had a lot of notes about the the storytelling in this match being really well done, yeah, which I think is like the, the, the key is like they're really building up um, the like antagonistic views of things and the, uh, of triple H and the authority. And then they also keep bringing up the, like um, the injured, uh, the injured arm of oh, Daniel Bryan, yeah, which will like carry forward. He sells um, that shoulder like a champ, you know? Yeah. It, it's great. And it like, adds to just the stakes of how oh, he got hit in the arm again. And 
they just keep hurting him in the arm. And then like, you know, eventually when he wins the match, he like limps off after the, and they attack him again with the chair. Then he like limps off with the shoulder again. And you're just like, Oh, he's going to be so hurt for like the map, like the main event match now, or whatever. Like he really sells that injured shoulder like really well the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I should clarify. I, what I, I should clarify what I was saying, which ahead. is that Daniel Bryan's submission moves for the most part in this match all look very complicated and painful, which at this point in his career is what he's known for. Whereas uh, Hunter's all kind of look like variations on a basic crossface or a headlock. So like he's trying, he's trying to beat Daniel Bryan at his own game, but like, it's just like really. And I mean, the point of this story is also to get Daniel Bryan over, but Hunter does not look like, throughout this match it does not look like half the wrestler that Daniel Bryan is, which is, you know, it's a little bit of it is a yeah. guy kind of in the prime of his career versus a guy who has had a career at this point. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely looks like Daniel Bryan's the better wrestler for sure. Um, I, there was, I think a good spot where Triple H kind of gives like a really convincing clothesline on Daniel Bryan. And like part of that is Daniel Bryan's great selling of it. Um, but I thought that was like, there was like a really, um, good, like wrestling, uh, spot in that, in, in that part of the match. But, uh, overall I did see, um, you could see the kind of age and, um, out of touch kind of, um, the rust from triple H not having wrestled in a while and being, being older that Dan O'Brien really out wrestles him in this match. Yeah. Uh, another person we're talking about the storytelling, uh, Stephanie McMahon tells a great story with her face throughout the match in the uh, on the sidelines, and like it. Yeah, I, she's she's really good. I wrote this down. I said she is a really good heel. If she were a better in ring technician in any way, we would be talking about how great of a career she had. If she, you know, I'm not in like I don't expect her to be fantastic, but like if she had had just half the ambition to be to for in-ring competition that like Shane had she would be you know an all-time great in women's wrestling up to this point just some of it based on a lack of uh, opportunity for women's wrestlers but also just like she would she'd be really good we would be talking about how great of story she could tell in the ring uh but she does she does a great job telling a story on the outside for sure um, yeah, yeah, I definitely like her managerial role in this match. Yeah, she's um, she's fantastic. I I actually just kind of genuinely like her as a person, which is weird for me to say about anyone in the McMahon family. But uh, Triple H yeah. and Stephanie, I'd like I'd go get a beer with them. You know, I don't remember why, but I have a note here that says I hate Michael Cole. Um, <laughs> is it just your daily reminder? Do you just get up in the morning like I do and look in the mirror and say? <laughs> I hate Michael Cole. I think I'm, I'm sure he said something that I thought was either annoying or like that. I thought was so on the nose and lame that, or maybe he said it a few times in this match that I can't remember, but it just, I just see this note and I'm like, I don't remember why I wrote this, but it, it stands true. I, anytime we do these more contemporary, uh, WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania is I'm probably going to have this note written down at some point. Oh, I'm, um, <laughs> I, I miss JR on, uh, WWE um, content for real. Those, 
that'll be great. Going back and seeing those matches that he calls. Oh God. It's going to be so good. My God. (laughs) My God, King. Um, Uh, but yeah. overall, I I thought this was a good opening match. Yeah, um, I thought it was a su- I, I thought, thought it was a great opening match. I thought it yeah. really set the tone for the whole night for sure. Uh, I gave it a yeah, three out of, I gave it a three out of five on my uh, ever so scientific scale, mostly because, uh, <laughs> despite telling a great story, Triple H's ring rust just keeps it from being a super great match, but. Uh, a three out of five, I think, is still like I, a five is like a perfect match. Is what I'm is kind of what I want to get across. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so it's yeah. Positive. I think it's I think it's I think it's super positive. It's it's exciting. It's well done. Um, it sets up the like stakes for the for the main event later, which I think is really good, and it's told really well. Um, there's not a lot of like incredible wrestling moments but there's a few here and there that i think it's good i think it's a good match yeah uh next up uh so at the end of this match uh stephanie and triple h uh go after his already hurt shoulder uh just to continue the story of will daniel bryan be strong enough to pull off even competing in the main event match or you know will he get screwed again by the authority uh, but it's a pretty quick transition from there into the next match, which is the shield versus the new age outlaws and Kane. Uh, do you have, do you have any, any notes of this short segment in between have, those two? I have, I have a, my first note is, um, in hindsight, what a weird match. So bizarre that this even existed. <laughs> Oh, you know what I didn't I didn't mention earlier, but I'm going to mention it real quick. Uh, Triple What's H's that? entrance for that match, uh, top five Triple H entrance of all time. Uh, oh, I have that note too. I had dope Triple H opening, and then I had um, uh, boring Daniel Bryan one, but it kind of also adds to the story of him being so like bare bones and not like produced. So I think it like works yeah. anyways. I think I think it also would have been a bit much to do a big produced opening for him. Cause I mean, the story here is the fans being after him. He doesn't need much more than just like everyone chanting. Yes. And him running down to the ring and throwing his hand is pointing his fingers in the air. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was meaning. Like it, it sort of, it kind of adds to the character anyways that it's not, but yeah, triple H's opening is really cool. Really good. Uh, so do you have, I have a note here, uh, do you know who the three uh, women are who are with him while he's on the throne there? I know one of them is Charlotte Flair, right? Yeah, so uh, at that t- so you've got Charlotte Flair. I know the other. The other two are Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks. So. Oh wow! All three so of them. Three of the four. Uh, oh no! I guess Alexa Bliss is Alexa Bliss is not a horseman. Horsewomen. Yeah, or horsewoman. Um, uh, yep. Oh, I some. Oh, because uh, I kept. Champion. I mean, all future champions. All future champions. Oh, hold on one second. I literally somehow turned on my Alexa by talking about Alexa Bliss. So you keep talking about uh, the <laughs> next match or talk about this entrance more while I tell her to shut up. 
Yeah, so um, the next match, like we said, is Shield versus Kane and the New Age Outlaws, which I just think is so bizarre now in hindsight. Like, it feels so weird to even combine any of these, like, three combinations. Like, the fact that Kane is tag-teamed up with the New Age Outlaws, the fact that the Shield and the New Age Outlaws have a, are, like, fighting together. Like, it's all so bizarre, and it feels kind of like a if you took like a history book of like wrestling and you pulled out some names and then kind of made into a match. Yeah. Um, but there was like a small story of this being built. Yeah. I definitely think it's real weird. Um, uh, it is. There weird. was a small story that they've set up with it. And, uh, I don't know. I wasn't too big on this match, but what did you think? Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a weird combo. It's weird to think of the new age outlaws as being considered like, the authority or the corporate uh, entity here, uh, but they're teamed with corporate Kane. Uh, my notes here, uh, the shield enter wearing their face masks like they should. Uh, they're in a large crowd. They, they were staying safe. Uh, so I have my head cannon here. <laughs> but, uh, these days, uh, these versions of them, uh, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and now John Moxley uh, <laughs> went back to themselves and said, Hey, there's going to be a pandemic. You need to make, you need to start wearing a mask now. And then, uh, they weren't clear enough. So yeah. The shield, the, the actual shield is a face. shield. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, my notes here is I said, this match was a little too quick. Uh, it was re- It was a really fast match. Uh, kind of quicker than I wanted it to. I liked the finish. I liked the triple power bomb on the new age outlaws. Uh, but, there's not much to talk about. Uh, I did kind of uh, sigh to myself and say, ah, 2014 before the fans turned on Roman reigns, uh, which, (laughs) but overall Um, I gave this one and a half stars. The wrestling that we did see was solid and it served a purpose, but uh, there wasn't just, it was felt like kind of a throwaway match uh, to set up more of what was to come with the shield there. Uh, yeah, I think this has to be, I mean, in my opinion, um, the weakest match of the card. Um, I also just don't really even see the purpose of having this match aside from just adding more, like, authority kind of influence. But because it's like it's like a squash match because the Shield just totally dominates them the entire time. But it's like the Shield were already so dominant that they don't need to be proven to be more dominant and having them beat these old guys who can't wrestle anymore doesn't really even put them over anymore. So, and the shield at this time had been around for so long that they wouldn't need that to begin with. They're already like a fan favorite and they're already like an established big stable that I just, I don't really get the point of it, nor do I really even get like any excitement from it. Um, apart from like some cool spots that, I just, yeah, I just wasn't a fan of this match, really. Yeah, I would say I, I would have loved, uh, you know, if, if I had had the WWE booking power back then, I would have had Triple H, you know, maybe do play into his connection to NXT, have him call up his own like new guy Shield kind of triple threat action. You know, the Shield originally debuted as uh, they were CM Punk's security team. So like 
have Triple H like debut his own security team and have them fight with the Shield, you know, or something like that. I'm sure that you know have uh, the Ascension and Neville show up, like really prominent guys that were yeah. in NXT at the time or something, you know, like that, that yeah. would have been I cool. Think this, I think. Yeah, um, I think the the they went more for like a nostalgic approach because it was WrestleMania 30. Um, like they wanted to bring back like the new age outlaws and, uh, have corporate Kane in there just to kind of get a lot of like star powers or like notable, um, names because it's such a like 30th anniversary kind of deal. But I, which is why they don't go with that route. But I think you're right that they probably should have, cause it probably would have been for a more entertaining match. Um, yeah. And more of like, uh, impressive feat from the shield had they fought those kind of guys. Yeah. Uh, next after that, there is a quick toy commercial, uh, for the slam city figures featuring, uh, for the nostalgia purposes, Sergeant Slaughter, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Ricky, the dragon steamboat, the million dollar man, and Ron Simmons, uh, figured I'd throw that in there. They all got paid to do that. So we should get the respect. I, I I wrote down that it was a fun, uh, comedic, uh, short. Yeah. I like to, I like it when uh, wrestlers get involved in toy commercials because uh, wrestling figures are kind of uh, one of the fun things about wrestling fandom. So uh, let them have fun. Definitely. Uh, but just like how that was a commercial, we're going to take a quick break to give you another commercial. Welcome back. Uh, when we left off, we had just talked about a toy commercial with uh, some former WWE stars, some real nostalgic stars. And then uh, the next thing I have written down on my notes, I don't know if much happened in between, but I just have, well, it's the big show. That's all I have written down. <laughs> uh, of course, the yeah, big show. Yeah, the big show coming out for the Andre the Giant Battle Royale. All right. Uh, so before we really talk about Battle Royals are hard to cover. Cause there's just so much going on. Uh, so I just have a string of notes yeah. that I have of like things I thought about during, uh, this match. Uh, so I, I literally, I mean, my, I'm similar. My notes are literally just things that happened and then either a, a happy face or a sad face near them <laughs> because there's not much I can really go off of except for this. I like this or, Oh, this was sad or whatever. So, uh, some fun things to note about this battle royal. Uh, it's the first one. It's the first on the Andre the Giant battle uh, memorial battle royal. Uh, they have been of varying quality every year following the <laughs> this one. Uh, this yeah. one's pretty good. Uh, but my things to note: uh, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods are all in this match, and they're still a few months away from debuting together as the New Day which was kind of cool. Uh, Big E at the time, I believe is the intercontinental champion. Like this. Yeah. I thought that was wild that they were, that they were all in there and then they didn't have any like new day interactions. I was like, Oh man, they don't like everyone there. All the fans don't even know like the new day are going to like be a huge thing. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't even know what is, the New Day are awesome. Uh, Big E is awesome. I, w- I want to give like some love to Big E because uh, right now, as of recording yeah, cool. this, he's 
starting a singles run on SmackDown because both Xavier Woods and Kofi are out with injuries. So uh, best of luck to him. He's a fantastic wrestler, like, and such a cool guy. So hope hoping the best for him and hoping the best for the New Day in general. They're pretty great. Uh, my next note, fun thing to note, is that uh, Cody Rhodes, Goldust, and Zack Ryder are all now in AEW performing as Cody, Dustin Rhodes, and Matt Cardona, respectively. Uh, so fun to watch that and be like, oh, wow, uh, most of these guys – aren't here anymore for the, for the most part. And then like these three guys are actually all pretty big deals at another company, which is cool and good for them. Uh, also have this note, Mark Henry eliminated all three members of three man band. Uh, Heath Slater, Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre, uh, which Mahal and McIntyre would both go on to be WWE champions after being fired and rehired by the company. And then Slater is currently working for Impact after being fired uh, this year in April of 2020. Uh, so hope I'm hoping that he does the same thing, which is leave, go work for Impact or someone else for a bit, get jacked, and then come back and win the WWE Championship. <laughs> so those are my hopes for yeah. Slater. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I have this note here, uh, which is, Ask Phoenix what the hell they were doing with Rey Mysterio at the time. I really don't ever think of him like doing this cowardly character thing, but like he like begs people not to throw him out of the ring, which is I just I don't even know what the hell was going on with that. I was not a fan of Rey Mysterio uh being a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think what they were doing was they were doing um this was, I think, when Rey Mysterio sort of adopts some kind of like, uh, like Eddie Guerrero tactics, and I think they're trying to sell that as like the times when Eddie Guerrero would fake beg people as a way to like throw them off and then like, like turn around and, and like hurt them or something is what I think they were going for. Because I mean, he never was like a cowardly heel character. And I don't yeah. even think at this time he was, I, I think what they were going for was he was doing like Eddie Guerrero, dirty tactics of like trying to beg to be trying to distract them while they get hit by someone else or something, which is like what Eddie Guerrero would sometimes do. Right. Um, Stances. But it ended up just looking weird. Cause I think he just begs the big show for his life and nothing happens. Like, yeah, I think he I might know. try to. It, like, was, it was a weird moment. Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" I don't remember like anything going on with Ray like that, and that's definitely not how Ray has been portrayed any other time that I could think of. So I was like, I, I was like, "I'll ask Phoenix." Phoenix might be like, "Oh yeah, that was a shitty time in Ray Mysterio's career where they were like, uh, Ray uh, had a nightmare, and he's now scared of big dudes." For the first time in his life, <laughs> or something. Yeah, he uh, Ray somehow um, was uh, sw- body swapped with like a five year old boy, and he was body was swapped a- with uh, his son Dominic. Yeah, with his son Dominic, and now he just trembles at the sight of at the sight of uh, really tall people because he's never seen people that tall. Sorry, should I say Eddie Guerrero's son Dominic? <laughs> That, yeah, that oh, horrible, man. horrible angle. Uh, 
Yeah, if people don't know about the Eddie versus Domin or Eddie versus Ray, um, the, what is it? The Dominic. I'm your poppy. Uh, I'm your. <laughs> this the, I'm your poppy match. Uh, is that is that what the match? I don't even. It's. I just no, know there's the shirt. Like, there's the I'm your poppy shirt, which is no, literally it's something just, like for like child adoption match or something. No, you're oh, telling me they have like a know. custody match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, custody of Dominic ladder match. Oh, it's the no. Ray versus Eddie custody of Dominic ladder match. <laughs> I love it, but I hate it at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's real bad. It it looks so. It, and I remember because the ladder match, like the the thing at the top was like a briefcase full of the like child like custody like documents. <laughs> it's a briefcase. It was with like Dominic's, the thing you had to grab off the top uh, of the ladder. Yeah, um, that's that oh, was uh, that's rough. A very a really weird like um, storyline. <laughs> Oh, aged pretty badly. I was going to say, you know, the WWE, the company that's handled race really well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what they're known for. They're, they're known. They're really good at handling race relations. Triple H famously told Booker T, people like you can win championships, right? Oh. Um, don't stay silent I, uh, on that. I don't want that to hang in the air because we all know what he said. <laughs> We I all know we said people like you can't win championships. Yeah, that's why I was like, I don't want to do that one. Damn it. Uh, the, the only podcast where I, I don't have Carter to be the slightly whiter guy. No, yeah, you have to just kind of own it all yourself, man. Uh, um, I have written here, Kofi Kingston is the king of not touching the floor. Which is true. Yeah, I've got that. That Kofi say was so good. It's um, a really good which Kofi say. Always does, and it's always exciting every time. Um, but this one is a, in particular was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then my last note is, uh, it is incredible to see Cesaro slam uh, Big Show out of the ring. Uh, but I will say, I really I feel like Big Show should have won this battle royal, which is is weird to say because he does win the next year. Uh, but like. Andre is very important to Big Show's like character and story because he debuts in WCW as Andre's kayfabe son. I feel like it, like it just would have been a good nod. I, I understand the story they told with like the underdog thing, but sometimes you just got to do the easy thing at, to honor somebody. And uh, feel like they missed that opportunity. It doesn't feel as cool to get it the next year to get the second one. You know. I don't know yeah, I agree. It. And I think, well, I agree with you um, in that sense. I think why they did it that way was because Hulk Hogan was hosting. So they wanted to recreate the like Hogan slamming Andre like thing with like Cesaro doing the same move, but to big show over the ropes. So it's kind of really a nod to WrestleMania three, but I agree with you completely because then that makes it more about Hulk Hogan than it does about Andre the Giant and it's the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. So I totally agree that I think Big Show should have won. Um, I can see the reasoning, but I don't really like it. Still. Yeah. Um, 
I get. I also. I, yeah, I, mean, I get the allusion to it, um, but also. I was just gonna add that. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say Cesaro's no Hogan. Like they just. It's no, no, not no. A, you, you go. I, I was gonna. I was gonna change to something else. Oh, I was just saying Cesaro's not new Hulk Hogan. Like, either, you know, in either way you want to talk about it. Like, you know, he doesn't. He's a very strong guy, but he is not. You know, he doesn't have the same personality. He doesn't have the same following. Like. You know, as much as Hulk Hogan sucks, like, you really, if you're talking about who the new Hulk Hogan is or who the next, I mean, it was, it was Cena, you know, like, that's the closest thing we've gotten since and like, a true, like, super over baby face. But, uh, go ahead and move on. We can go ahead and move on to the yeah, next. Yeah, I was just going to add that, um, I mean, I was just going to kind of finish up my, like, thoughts. I thought... This battle royal was fine, you know. I, it's not. There's, it had its good moments. Um, it didn't really like wow me like many many other like battle royal or royal rumble type matches can do. But um, it, it had its it had its fun moments here and there. The the finish was not great in terms of who should have won. I mean, like the the actual move is cool, but like I didn't really like necessarily that they went with Cesaro. Um, and I mean there. I mean, there were some cool wrestlers in it, but I think there weren't that many great wrestlers in it to make it really exciting. So I just have kind of like a, it's just, you know, it's fine. It's like a mediocre match. Oh yeah, for sure. It's not, I didn't even give it a rating cause it is such a weird, like it's so different from the rest. You know, you don't want to compare, but if I had to, I think I'd, I'd give it like, I'd give it a two and a half. It's like set solidly in the middle. Uh, it's not bad. It's not good either, you know? So I can't say it's like, yeah. Uh, next thing we get is a Bray Wyatt and John Cena video package. Uh, this feud is cool. I, I, you know, I have some issues with the match that actually happens, but, uh, you know, I liked the Bray Wyatt, John Cena feud. Uh, for the most part, uh, Bray yeah, has a really cool entrance. Bray has a fantastic entrance for this match. Uh, with yeah. uh, Mark Crozier, Cena surprisingly, his- Cena surprisingly had like a pretty nothing entrance. I thought, yeah, I was really- like kind of shocked that it wasn't like a big like deal entrance. It was just his normal music and him walking out like like normally. Yeah, I guess maybe that's just to highlight how he gets over or like, cause it's all about his legacy and about him being who he's always been. So maybe it's just like to highlight that he's over. He doesn't need theatrics and stuff to be John Cena, I guess. But I mean, I think it would have been nice to have had, even if it had just been some kind of like, if they had done a full Tron of like, you know, really highlight, I honestly highlight all the, you know, the whole things about how John Cena is a fraud, like just highlight every time he's like given a kid his hat or, uh, been, you know, like, yeah, just such like a, like a cloyingly sweet guy, you know? Yeah. Really highlight it. Like, but I guess when the finish is going to be, uh, John Cena was right the whole time. that uh, you don't want to highlight that. You want it to seem genuine. Uh, Yeah. 
My notes from the match, uh, the finish me at the beginning is honestly, in hindsight, iconic uh, from Bray. Uh, yeah. I think, like, especially with the kind of the real finish to this feud uh, six years later with the Firefly Funhouse match, I think it really all comes full circle. So, to, like, to look back on this and be like, oh, you know, like, Bray's been this has been Bray's end game or what, you know, the whole time is really cool. I think. Yeah. It's kind of, it was kind of hard. I don't know how you felt about it, but it's hard for me to like watch this and not still think of like the match that just recently happened and how the story has still been going on. And like maybe now finally ended at this past WrestleMania, but um, I don't know, like these other matches I can kind of, separate as like oh that was then and this is now and this one i was still like this still feels like i can't really just see it from this point on like i'm still am thinking about this match and then leading it up to how things are how things still have gone oh yeah i mean but without this i really think that without this match we would have never gotten the fiend which is weird to think that if there is one match that led to the fiend bray wyatt it really has to be this because he doesn't, John Cena didn't let him get over, uh, you know, pretty famously, there was a lot of backstage politics about John Cena thinking that like he, he shouldn't lose at this WrestleMania because why would the bad guy win in this or, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. But like, because of that and because of the feud that they had, they kind of, they dragged it out for a few more months and a few, a couple more pay-per-views. But, after this feud was over, Bray was kind of left to rot and he, you know, he did some fun stuff. He had some cool matches, but he also like has some like real stinkers. He's got another WrestleMania match against Randy Orton. that's like incoherent, honestly. And, but there's all this, you know, all this stuff going on and, you know, had this not happened, Bray wouldn't have had to have reinvented himself, uh, in 2019, which is really weird to think about that because this feud didn't lead to a huge push for Bray that he just kind of like sat out, sat and wore out his welcome as this character so that like when he left, he really needed to reinvent who Bray Wyatt was. So, uh, other than that, yeah. it's a fun match actually. Like there's some good, you know, Cena's not the best in ring guy but he tells a great story he's a his packaging is great same with bray he's not the best technical wrestler but like he can tell a fantastic story uh so like i mean doing the crab pose or spider pose whatever you want to call it and the uh all the you know just all their reactions to each other are really cool uh yeah i actually i mean i even thought as far as Cena matches go, this was one of the better um, performances from him. Like I thought his like, I thought he moved a lot cleaner. And then I thought, you know, even just doing the weird stuff he did, like the splash on the Wyatt family um, towards the end of the match and stuff like that. It was like some different stuff that um, I thought kind of was a little surprising and kind of not, I mean, it's still like not. It's still like not incredible wrestling, but I thought for like, John Cena and his wrestling style. I thought it was one of his better matches. Yeah. I will say 
for his for being a straight up wrestling match and not like because I think when I when I think of like my favorite Cena matches, I think of like I his he's got a great I Quit match with Batista. He's got like some uh, or is it is it an I Quit match or is it, it's it or a or an I Respect You match? Whatever it is, he's got some of those like where the stipulations are a little more loose and he can like kind of flail about or grab a weapon or something. Uh, the, those are better, but you're right. Yeah. This is this is a good for a straight up wrestling match with John Cena. This is pretty solid. Uh, yeah. Um, I also have here. Um, uh, there was a great and um, I was going to say this earlier, but I think I I might have like forgot or something. But the crowd in at New Orleans is really good. And that's something that I try to like always notice when I watch these wrestling, like different WrestleManias. Cause you know, sometimes you get crowds that are like maybe not as into it or crowds that are, you know, not as um, excited or loud or making their voice heard and stuff. But the crowd at New Orleans was great. And I, in particular, there was a sign that I loved that was like, if Cena wins, we Wyatt, which is like a, um, a throwback to the, if Cena wins, we riot sign. Yeah. From, is that um, ECW, from the ECW one night stand. Yeah, one night stand. Uh, yeah, that is pretty good. I didn't see that. I, I, yeah. I was like, that's really good. And it, and you know, it, it applies because it was also like, uh, you know, getting over like someone getting over match, except this time they actually had John Cena still win anyways. Yeah, um, it really, is, yeah. You know. The AA finish on this is BS, is what it is. Uh, that being said, yeah. I still liked the storytelling a lot. I still really enjoyed everything leading up to that. Uh, I gave it a three out of five. So Yeah, I have, I mean, I don't have a number, but I have it written down. Uh, decently good match. Um, I thought it was solid. I thought the storytelling in particular was good. Um, and... Cena and uh, Bray have some, uh, you know, some some highlights throughout. Um, the end of the story is not great, but the storytelling within the match is good. So um, I'm for it. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, next, we have a pretty standard Hall of Fame recap. Uh, I actually I'm a pretty big fan of this uh, Hall of Fame class. Uh, so I'll just run down them real quick. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts uh, obviously clearly deserves uh, a spot in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Mr. T also, uh, he was at the first WrestleMania, uh, and he, like, without Mr. T, without Cindy Lauper, without all these celebrities that were involved in WrestleMania 1, you wouldn't have WrestleMania 30. So props to him. He absolutely, I was surprised it took them this long to induct Mr. T. Uh, Paul Bearer, another incredible one, you know, rest, truly rest in peace, not in an ironic undertaker way. Uh, but Paul Bearer, another great one. Carlos Colon, so, so, so important to, uh, the culture of wrestling to, uh, so another great one. Lita. I love Lita. Uh, yes, Lita, let's go. Lita is fantastic. And, She's a good person. It's always great when you find out a wrestler is a good person. So, uh, uh, yeah, Razor Ramon, uh, you know, it's, it's really good. Uh, I'm surprised oh. that he's inducted as Razor Ramon and not as Scott Hall, but, uh, 
judging just by how much he went through and how he really turned his life around, good for him. He deserves his spot in the Hall of Fame. And then lastly, uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, weird that he's like the inductee of honor. Honestly, I he's a good. He was a he wasn't even a great wrestler. He was he had some really good packaging. He was super over, but uh, yeah, just just kind of a weird one to be like the main guy. You know, uh, they gave him a really weird spot of honor, and he's his history with the company is kind of a weird, weird one. It's a weird. Yeah, I mean it. It's just, it's entirely, I think, the fandom, though, because Ultimate Warrior, like, is, uh, was a huge superstar and, like, has, was, had such a ginormous following back, like, during his days of wrestling that I think is why they kind of give him, like, the centerfold spot. Like, he wasn't, you know, there much and, you know, he had rocky fallouts and stuff, but I think just the fact that, like, the peak that he was was so big, it was, like, near i mean i don't want to say like near hogan because it wasn't that close but like he was maybe he was definitely like a number two like staple name um at his peak so i think that's why he kind of gets the highlight um yeah highlighted spot i also have here lita deservingly getting the biggest cheer because yes um yes uh, when they announced it when they announced him they ran out the whole like the whole stadium just like lit up like, like cheering for Lita, which I mean, she's just the best. And like, um, uh, like, you know, like I said, like ultimate warrior and Scott, um, uh, Razor Ramon, and Scott Hall, like probably like more matches and more wrestling in, um, than Lita, but Lita was just so great that I'm just, I was just so happy to see her get inducted and to see her have like the big cheer that she did. She honestly, uh, she deserves it. She was the first woman to main event raw. Like she was what she and uh, Trish Stratus were the first women to uh, be the main event of raw. Like they, yeah, she was badass. <laughs> yeah. She was great. Like, and yeah. So I, I, I totally think she absolutely deserves her spot. Everyone here deserves their spot. Uh, you know, there are some weird hall of fame classes that we'll probably get to get into and other WrestleManias where you're like, okay, we're inducting Drew Carey. Sure. You know? But, yeah. Yeah. There's some weird ones. Uh, next thing we get is an undertaker and Brock Lesnar video package. Uh, my only note for this video package is, uh, just an undisputed fact, which is that Paul Heyman is the best talker in the business. There's just a hundred percent. I also have I I just have I love Paul Heyman so much. Oh, uh, okay. So I think we need to talk about the streak before we get into this match, because uh, <laughs> the streak's important. I, I think it's, and I think it's kind of an yeah important. I liked that we took we did this WrestleMania because we get to talk about the streak ending before we get into the rest of the streak, you know? Uh, right. I for, the, uh, for those who aren't aware and are maybe getting new into wrestling, um, the undertaker is, you know, legendary wrestler. He famously has the longest winning streak of, from uh, different WrestleManias throughout his career. 
um, that it just became, and it just became so iconic because he, um, up until, you know, this match, he was 21 and Oh, so he went, he was wrestling in 21 different WrestleManias and he never lost. And I think it was around the time when it was starting to get like in like the fifth, like when he reached like 15 or 16 is when they really started counting it and making it a big deal with like someone beating the streak, you know, someone challenging the undertaker to WrestleMania and trying to yeah. a lot um, of career versus you know, streak him over on his like biggest night. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, so many, I mean, he has so many iconic, so many famous ones. Um, the Shawn Michaels ones are like some of the best ever. They're straight up. Yeah. It's like cage match or triple H, which is really good. Um, during Randy Orton's like begin like early career when he was adopting like the legend killer role, one of the things he tried to do was kill the streak of the Undertaker and kill that legend. Of course, so there's that, that match was like going the inevitable. On that was the inevitable finish to that uh, that angle as the legend killer. But there was the, yeah, and um, there's just so many th- so many iconic matches and. Undertaker's streak is was just so important to like WrestleMania's in the future and WrestleMania's going out because it always just added added the stake of like who's going to be the guy who's going to be the one to finally like bust him and be able to like top him at WrestleMania because some of the best and some of the biggest matches happened and no one could do it it didn't happen like um, they it's been tried and tried and it never happened so every kind of undertaker match just had this a- added extra stake of can someone do it? Who can do it? Oh, for and sure. here we have undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, which was going to be either, um, the 22 and Oh undertaker keeps the streak going. Or as Paul Heyman would, was saying, Brock Lesnar would be the one, the 21 and one to beat him. And he does, he beats him. Yeah. And it was insane. So before we get into this match, I think it's easier to separate our streak talk from our match talk. Uh, so I, I honestly, and I think this is with hindsight. I think Brock Lesnar had to take the streak. I think it, I don't think there was anyone in the locker room before or since who really could handle the kind of heat that you're going to get by taking the undertaker streak. I don't think it could be a guy that was there week to week after that. It needed to be a part-timer. It needed to be someone as dominant as Brock Lesnar. Like someone who could just be that monster that ended the streak and not uh you know and not crumble under that pressure. Someone who could relish that role, you know? So that's my take. I I, I totally agree. I think um from how I saw it was once you had the career versus streak match between uh, Shawn Michaels and the undertaker and the undertaker still winning it. I think from that moment on, it was like something extraordinarily special has to happen for him to lose or some extraordinary case. Otherwise it's just going to blow it. Like it's, it's going to fall if it's like, you know, some person they're trying to put over because it's going to give them like way too much over. And it's just going to like put like a, a a small, a small, like, um, 
a small defeat at the end of the map of the, at the end of the streak, or it's going to be some kind of like, if it's going to be some big name, like Cena or triple H, then it's just going to be like, Oh, we're just giving, um, you know, some, uh, some added cool moment to someone who's already established and already rewarded of things that like, that's not going to be as exciting. It just, it really had this weird feeling of it. It can't be someone who's hasn't done anything and it can't be someone who, um, has done so much because it's just at this like totally wild level. And then now looking back, it feels like Brock Lesnar was perfect for it because he was, he was both an established known wrestler that was seen as such a monster and such like someone who could do so many wild and insane stuff. But then at the same time, he didn't really have a lot of like the career moments to like, um, to kind of like make him in that sense because he left WWE so early back in the day and then coming back, he was just getting started. So he still had like, while we knew him as like a legend and we knew him as like such a big thing, he doesn't really have that kind of, um, like career status of someone like a triple H or Shawn Michaels or something. Yeah. But but this is like a great way for him to just get immediate heel heat status, immediate like feel like remember the domination of what he is and stuff. Like it just makes it and in, in hindsight it just makes soul sense. Like back in the day and then like for the rest for the listeners knowing like it seemed like the Undertaker would just never lose. Like it just seemed like it would make so much sense if he just always won and it almost just felt like like just, it was just bound to happen. Like it, it was you, if you did your predictions, you would just write in the undertaker would win. Like it yeah. just seemed like he would never lose. And that's what it felt like for this. But in hindsight, it just makes so much sense that Brock Lesnar wins this because he's the, the perfect one to have done it. For sure. For sure. I, yeah, I couldn't have said any, any better. And WWE, I mean the, the story that no one can actually really confirm is that, Vince was even changing the uh, finish of this match like four hours before the show. And like, finally, like you had to sit Brock and take her down and be like, are we all okay with what we're about to do? You know, I don't know how much of that's actually true, uh, but I mean, they had booked it like taker was going to win up to that point. If you go look at the go home uh, episode before this, uh, before mania, Brock stands tall and that's not a good sign going into a pay-per-view. If you're the one who uh, walks away at the go home show, you know, laughing and, Oh, I'm going to, you know, take your championship or I'm definitely winning this. It's, it's a pretty good sign that you're going to lose on Sunday. Uh, Brock stood tall and still stood tall. uh, Three days later, you know, like it's super impressive that he was, that, that happened. There was no reason really that people were going to do it. Uh, yeah. And, um, I was going to ask you, Robbie, real quick. Um, did you, because I know you, you know, you weren't into wrestling yet at the time was undertaker losing, uh, his streak. Did that resonate like to people like you and others that like didn't know wrestling at all? Like did that kind of news, like like explode outside of wrestling. Like I think it did because I could say for myself that when I watched this WrestleMania the next day, when I went to school, people who never like got into wrestling or people that 
I've never talked to about wrestling before would go up to me and be like, so Undertaker lost last night? And I would be like, yeah. And then they'd be like, I heard about it on Twitter. Like, that seems crazy to me. And it just, it made me realize, like, what a giant phenomenon that was. Like, like it even it even went to like such a level that like people who have no interest in wrestling were like, Whoa, that's wild that he actually lost. It was like, it was a huge, huge moment. Yeah. Uh, I remember when this happened mostly because I knew about the streak. I knew who undertaker was. Uh, but like, I think at that point I had just kind of assumed that he had retired and the streak was done because he wasn't, you know, I didn't expect to ever hear the news that Undertaker's streak was ended because he like actually lost and not because he was just retired, you know? So I, I knew generally who he was. And I think the, probably the last I had thought about him or the streak was probably a couple years earlier, probably, probably the, uh, the curtain call after his match with triple H, uh, with the hell in the cell. Like that was probably, yeah. you know, cause that picture was, you know, that wouldn't have been on Twitter at the time, but that would have been, you know, it would have been on like the front page of uh, MSN or whatever it was that like when I opened up the browser on my family's computer, like that would have been there. And I would have thought, oh, that's the end, you know, but no, it was I, I found out about it and was shocked and was like, wow, I can't believe a that the streak was still going and b that it actually was ended by someone. Uh but yeah, it was it, it was an insane cultural moment. Uh, so here, let's go ahead and jump into this match. Uh, I think the big thing to note with this match is that uh, about five minutes into this twenty minute match, uh, the Undertaker suffers a concussion, uh, which is once you know that happens, it's kind of hard to watch the rest of the match. <laughs> uh, at least for me, I don't know about you. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Especially once you, you once know. you figure out what the spot is, uh, it's the spot where uh, he, uh, I'm trying to remember, it's uh, the spot where Brock grabs Taker's boot as he's about to like give him a big boot kick. Uh, he grabs it and he kind of flips him. And yeah. you can hear his head crack on the floor. Yeah, It's like, it's rough. <laughs> and he takes a minute to yeah, get Yeah, and then he just takes, he just takes so many like headshots or like hits to the head, like way after that, that it just knowing that it just, it like feels terrible. Like you, you just like, yeah, I kind of like you're saying it just, it almost just makes it hard to watch because you just know that this is way, way more painful than, yeah. um, and he's in the you otherwise would. What's He's in the fact? worst place to get a concussion. There are bright lights on him. There are 75,000 people like he is. It's, you know, had in the biggest match of his career, arguably. Yeah, he and uh, I highly recommend it. If you if you're getting the WWE network for this or if you have if you have it, watch the Undertaker documentary, The Last Ride. He talks a little bit about this match and why he didn't retire after it. Uh, mostly because he gets concussed about five minutes in and does not actually remember the rest of the match. So he didn't want to have his last match in the WWE be a match he couldn't remember, which is all well and good, and I respect him for that. Uh, but it is, 
it is hard to watch knowing that he is concussed for most of it. Uh, yeah. I also have here, um, before we also forget, um, his entrance is so dope. Oh, it's so good. Like, so Undertaker good. always has great entrances, but this one is like, again, just another fantastic one. Um, uh, and I have here, uh, the match hasn't started, but I've already seen this match 20 times, 20 plus times. So I already know exactly how it's going to happen because this match is one that you like that for, well, I guess for me, I always had to revisit so many times because it's such a big moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how do you feel about it? Like technically, because I think that, I mean, again, it's hard to talk about because Undertaker is so hurt in this, but I feel like this is watching it. It definitely feels like Brock Lesnar is doing a lot of the legwork in this and that this is probably a good moment for when he should have left because Undertaker does seem a little too like um, a little too past his prime to like still keep going on with the streak. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe part of that's the concussion, but I don't know. It, it doesn't now looking at it like objectively, it doesn't feel like a great match. It just is so iconic in what, and the result that I think it has like this kind of bigger cloud to it. Um, I think, I think it's a, actually a pretty solid match. Uh, I gave it a three out of five, but, uh, I think it's, it's really, I mean, it's hard to tell what is, Taker lacking in skill because he's he doesn't know where he is and what is Taker not having a great match because he's not in the best shape of his life. Uh, but yeah, it's I I think it d- gets some bonus points in my head because Brock doesn't do twenty minute matches other than this for the most part. So to see Brock Lesnar actually like doing a lot of work is really good. And he is at a high level the entire time. Uh, I wrote down here, honestly, no one ever talks about how good at selling Brock Lesnar is. Uh, and it doesn't come up a lot because he's typically so dominant in the ring. Usually he comes out to beat someone and then it's a hard fought match for, you know, a Seth Rollins or someone else to come out and, uh, take him out to get the title off of him or someone has to, you know, cash in a money in the bank or something after he's already been beaten down lots of, st- you know, yeah. but when someone gets a good amount of offense in like taker does towards the beginning, he is so good at selling it like, and it, and selling it in a big guy way. He doesn't have to like, you know, throw himself around like Shawn Michaels or Daniel Bryan do like he looks, you know, he can make it look like you punched him and that it just knocked the sense out of him. And like, he's not, you know, staggering around and stuff, but he, he sells like hell and he sells, he knows exactly how to sell for someone his size. Um, but yeah, it's impressive that Brock was willing to go this long. Uh, the storytelling in the match is good. I don't know. I know the point where Taker gets concussed. I don't know where the point that Brock figures out that he is concussed and kind of changes. You can you can see he changes the game plan at least for himself and at least, you know, in how many F fives he gives them. And when he does do an F five, it's almost like he's gently lowering him to the ground and making sure his head doesn't hit too hard. Uh, yeah. 
So I don't know where that point that Brock figures out, okay, Taker's not here with me anymore. I'm, you know, but I, I give it a three out of five because they are able, you know, Taker does fight through and there's a part of me that kind of wishes that maybe he had called the ref over and said, I'm concussed as hell. Tonight's not the night. Like I'm going to hit a, you know, let Brock know I'm going to hit a, pie, a tombstone and then we're getting out of here. Cause I can't like see, you know, and sh- yeah. you know, should he have done that? Maybe to, is it good that he goes through and does, the, you know, you can't blame him for not. I don't think it's a pride thing. I think he just, I don't think he knew what he was doing at a certain point. So, but I think they had a good match. Yeah. I think, uh, I still think it's a worthy match of ending the streak. Uh, but every match post this match has been a varying degree of success. So is it undertakers maybe last great match potentially? I think there's an argument to be made for, I would say, yeah, there's an, yeah, there's an argument to be made that the boneyard match is better, but it's, it's a different beast altogether for sure. So, yeah, I would say that this is his last great match, which is, you know, sad to say, but considering there's um, been six years in between and he's had at least one match every year since then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not much to go off of since anyways, but, um, uh, I mean, it def. I think it still holds up as a great match. It's, you know, it's hard to look at it from like the real, the realism sense of it all. But I think even, um, I think it still is a solid match to end the streak. And I still think it is, it holds up as like a nice chapter close to his, to his streak and chapter close to his, like this part of his wrestling days. Um, I have this last, note with like a crying sad face that says only now realizing that the streak dies with Paul Bearer which makes me sad oh it is sad it is very sad yeah <laughs> um yeah so I don't have much but I didn't think about that until now <laughs> oh yes <laughs> I can't do it I wish I was better <laughs> at doing that uh my uh, undertaker <laughs> Uh, let's have a podcast where we do everything in a Paul Bearer voice. <laughs> it's called Pod Bearer. Pod Bearer. Oh, I. You oh. know what? We never really got, at least to my knowledge, is some kind of talk off between Paul Bearer and Paul Heyman. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> it would have been. Be- it would have been insane if this match could have happened in yeah. Brock's first run. And yeah, could've. I don't know if I could have handled Paul Bearer and Paul Heyman going at it in just two opposite speak, speaking patterns and speaking volume. <laughs> it would have been great. Um, yeah, so I don't have much to say about the next match after this, the Vicky Guerrero Divas Championship Invitational, other than this is in, oh like, my God. it's yeah. in the best spot it could be because everyone kind of needed uh, something to not be excited about and like sit in the just realization of what they had just seen. Uh, but they needed like a palate cleanser before getting into the main event and just the amount of 
pure jubilance that you have at the end. So like it was, it sucks for women's wrestling in general that this had to be the match that sat here. Uh, but it makes sense. It makes sense why it's here. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of women in the ring (laughs) and yeah, there's not much going on. Whoever match was such a, it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. This match was such a bore. Like, even the commentators were bored. Like, you could tell, like, I mean, Cole, JBL, and King were, like, not even talking about the match for most of it. They were talking about, you know, I'm still reeling from Undertaker, or they were talking about, like... How annoying Vicky um, Guerrero is. Like, that's just... Yeah. Or, like, we've got, you know, an exciting main event coming up and stuff like that. Like, even they weren't involved. The audience wasn't involved. It was, it yeah. definitely was a filler match just to let everyone kind of Calm decide. Down. My only other, my only other note that I have is remembering just how so ugly that diva's title looks like I oh. forgot gladly that it's gone. And we have like actual, like decent and like the women's uh, titles today look respectable good. women's titles. All three brands women's yeah, titles well, look good. Like Yeah, they do. I have problems with the modern era titles just because I mean, I understand that they have they cause they use the titles now as like for like advertising reasons of like when they when a championship takes a photo, it's like the giant WWE logo because it's like when other people see it, they're like, Hey, that wrestler's in WWE and like that's why like the TNT logo and A and E is is on the A and E championship belt and like that's kind of like the new thing. Um, so I'm while uh, like they all look good, but I'm not like crazy in love with these new titles because they're all just like the logo, but big. Um, yeah, but especially the main, the- they're definitely like, they're like way better than this divas logo. This divas logo is awful. And like, really, it looks like a cheap toy. It's gross. Oh, it's, it's so gross. Uh, the one, so this match, uh, Naomi taps to AJ Lee for her to retain the title. Uh, I gave it a two star rating uh, just because of how well it was placed, not because of like the great quality of wrestling. Uh, And also I gave it that uh, because AJ Lee has to retain this title for Paige to make her main roster debut the next night and win the title. So, I mean, it's, it's more about what it, what this match is where it's place in the story is than it's actual quality, but yeah. So yeah, notable it's, the it's next fine. night. You know what? I mean, it's forgettable, but you know, it's, it's, it's quick. It's not that bad. So, and I guess in a, in a way, AJ Lee really tied to the Daniel Bryan story. So I guess maybe there is a connection. Oh yeah. It's weird. to forget It's yeah. They're, 2013, you know, 2012, 2013, Daniel Bryan has a lot of ties to AJ Lee, but now I mostly think of her as, uh, the woman that's married to CM Punk and both of them hate wrestling now. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yep. That's, uh, yeah. All right. uh, Here it is. The main event of WrestleMania. Oh, we have a, we have a real quick WrestleMania one reunion between, uh, Paul Orndorff, Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Mr. T, and Hulk Hogan. It's kind of nothing. Uh, 
It especially yeah, feels fine. it especially feels like nothing after the streak after the end of the streak, really. But, yeah. All right. Let's talk about this match real quick because we're getting close to two hours on this podcast, which is yeah. half the time of the actual WrestleMania. So <laughs> Uh, yeah. this match was a lot of fun. Uh, I will say the thing, the question I asked at the beginning is, uh, did it ever feel like Batista had any chance of winning this match? I mean, like store, like long-term storytelling wise, it felt like the only way this could end was with Randy Orton retaining or Daniel Bryan winning. Uh, because it, Batista didn't really have like people in his corner. You know, there was the authority backed Randy Orton and the people back to Daniel. And that was, that. I think, but as someone uh, who didn't pay I attention, that, I don't know if you had a different opinion on that. If you felt differently, I think it totally was not conceivable that Batista would win. I think the reason why they have it is because of the two things that do happen is a, they, it's just another opponent for Daniel Bryan. So it, keeps the stakes of him winning seemingly more impossible because just another person in triple H's corner that will want to like stop him from winning. And then B it's a way for Brian to win without Orton, like putting him over and that's having Brian uh, make Batista tap at the end, which is uh, a way to, you know, have Brian win without having Orton technically lose. And so then they can kind of set up like, a Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton thing for the future, which is generally what they do with triple threats. Like just to kind of make it seem like, well, I never lost this. I kind of, you know, I just lost my belt and it wasn't even my fault or whatever. And then they set up that for like the next pay-per-view or whatever. So that's how I always viewed Batista was just another person to hurt Bryan kind of add stakes to his like possibility of winning. And then someone to eventually, uh, give Brian the title. And then of course, uh, I will say they make good use of it later. And that this kind of does lead to, uh, Batista's, uh, kayfabe quitting of the company and that he, you know, he finally defies the authority and says, you know what? You never even let me have a chance like to this. I, you know, I'm back where I started in this company. I'm your pawn triple H, you know, and that leads to his is actually pretty good uh, his kayfabe quitting uh, right around the time that Guardians comes out. So good move for Dave Batista there. Uh, so yeah, Batista killing it. After good for this. good for Dave. Does not in wrestling. Oh, I don't want to talk about um, anything he does in wrestling after. Actually, that's not true. His re debut on Raw where he attacked Ric Flair is cool and it's a fun moment, but. That's about it. Um, I think the audience in this match adds so much to how like great they are on the audience the whole time. So into it, yeah, they're so into it, and it like gets you so hyped and excited, and like you really get so immersed into this final match, which I wrote down. It's like really the audience is so good. Um, It really adds to the. Um, the feel, the stakes of the match, the storytelling, and it's really good with like 
really there's even more barriers being set with Daniel Bryan with him getting like double teamed, him almost getting uh, wheeled out from like injury and stuff. Like uh, Triple H um, attacking the the ref gets attacked and then Triple H tries to install a ref on his payroll. And there's all that stuff. The sledgehammer comes out because, of course, the sledgehammer has to come out. Uh, yeah. The the Batista bomb into the RKO is a great spot, even though it looks like it hurt Randy Orton more than anyone else. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I mean, I re rewatching that spot. It really, I don't think the RKO looks that convincing. It really looks like. Randy Orton just jumped on his back onto a table. Like he kind of has him grabbed like a little bit with one arm, but not really both. Um, it, it's very exciting, but it definitely does look like Randy Orton just super hurt himself. Yeah. I would have rather, instead of having it into the table, I would have rather had that in the middle of the ring. If you want to set up spots, have the Batista bomb, have Daniel Bryan get up dazed and then you have the RKO and I think that's more effective but maybe if you don't send him through the table you can't do the oh he's going to get wheeled out and this is really is going to be between Batista and Orton but there was yeah that it's a it's a cool spot but yeah it looks like it hurts Randy more than anyone else and uh, listen it's not a WWE pay-per-view unless the Spanish announce table gets broken that's all fuck the Spanish announce table yeah (laughs) they can't have tables (laughs) that and then the timekeepers area at Wrestlemania always ends up fucked yeah Uh, (laughs) they always always and no Um, it ends up that the timekeepers area ends up messed up pretty close to the beginning of the of mania and then you see it again during this match and you're like they really didn't like just set it back up okay yeah they just left it all oh it's ta- taker uh taker and brock go through it and then i'm like they really they didn't just push the barricade back up okay yeah but Okay, at the end of this match, uh, Batista taps to Daniel Bryan, who has him in the yes lock, and uh, Daniel Bryan gets to hold up both of those uh, titles, and, you know, he gets to point him in the air and chant yes with everyone in the building, and it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. It's the miracle on Bourbon Street. Uh, it's It's so cathartic, especially after seeing the streak end. I think it, you, you feel like the WWE betrays you and then you feel like they've been listening the whole time. And it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful last 40 minutes of the show, honestly. Yeah. It's such a feel good, um, feel good moment, um, to see Dan O'Brien win and see the celebration, see like the audience, uh, cheer. And you really, um, you really got so immersed and so like, uh, so on his side throughout these months. And then even in this show, you're just like constantly on his side. Like he can do it. He can do it. And then finally him winning just is such a relief. It feels so great. Um, that it's an excellent closer. I think it's, it's definitely a, like a closer to remember for, um, a lot of WrestleManias. Um, I'm sure going back, we'll be able to tell how 
like where it stacks up, but I think it's definitely on the higher end of like really good endings to WrestleManias. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a But I will say Oh, what will you say? (laughs) Daniel Bryan breaks kayfabe because he's holding the belt and doing the yes chant like his arm doesn't hurt anymore. You couldn't do the yes chant with your arm earlier, Daniel Bryan. How can you do it now while holding belts? You broke kayfabe. You uh, you have no respect for the story. How dare you? You got no respect for the business. You have no you have no business being champion. I hope you hurt your neck and have to vacate yeah. the title in less than a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, oh, man. but that is that, what happens. Uh, <laughs> it's very yeah. Sad. That's a sad uh, epilogue of what happens. All right. Uh, such a deflating like. Yeah. So let's get into our final thoughts on uh, this WrestleMania. I like it. It's a good one. I think you kind of already said it earlier. Is It's a good one. I think history will have to, you know, we'll have to be able to know, you know, 10 years from now if it really is as good as we think it is. But I think it's overall, it's really held up. Uh, and I, I think that the addition of having kind of a full a plot throughout this WrestleMania uh makes it stand out and makes it a really good one. And it's especially, I think it's a good introduction to WrestleMania as a whole. Uh, I give it probably, I agree. I I give it a seven out of 10, I guess if we're rating it on a scale of 10, it's an, it's overwhelmingly positive, Mm -hmm. but some of the shorter matches, some of the not as great matches, uh, don't push it into the upper, you know, we're not talking a nine or a 10 here, you know, that's yeah, I was gonna give it. I'll, I was gonna give it an eight out of ten. I think it's. Um, I have the same feeling that you do. That it's good. I think it's a good starter. Um, it definitely has its iconic moments um, in it, and it's got some really big, really big matches. Some really good storytelling in it. Um, there's just a couple small matches that kind of slow things down or kind of make things not as um, not as wholly complete. Um, that like some other WrestleManias can do, but, um, it's, it's, you know, for as long as it is. And, um, it's definitely worth going back and rewatching all of it. I feel it's very fun and not at all. Like it doesn't really ever feel like a drag. It definitely feels like a good time throughout. Yeah. It's incredibly watchable for sure. Uh, but yeah, those, those are our thoughts. Uh, you know, on this, and uh, with that... And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Yep, those those are our thoughts on Ooh. WrestleMania 30. Uh, Phoenix, do you have anything to plug? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at BombSPhoenix. Um, I hope to tweet things you like. Um, Robbie, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Robbie DeShazer, uh, and you can read my reviews on current wrestling shows and everything at www.prowrestlinggbu.com. Also, uh, go listen to Film Practice, go listen to Tap Heads, check out all the other content on the 5208 Media family. Uh, follow this show at Mania Moments Pod on Twitter. Uh, and other than that, uh, just enjoy your night. Have uh, have a good life. Be good to people, and uh, just keep being a solid person. 
I, we need a good <laughs> sign off for the show, but we don't have it yet. Be All right. solid. Be solid. Uh, don't work stiff. Be be a solid person. Good night. Yeah. Fifty two oh eight media.